The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Skinny are helping you show how smart you are with the 1Q Quiz, an all-new, super-challenging and super-quick daily quiz built by The Spin-Off. Every Monday, Skinny are giving you the chance to prove you're smart with the Skinny Extra Credit question. Get it right, and you'll get the chance to score yourself some Skinny Extra mobile credit so you can text, call, or even video call your group chat and gloat about how big your brain is. T's and C's apply. Kia ora koutou and welcome to Gone by Lunchtime, New Zealand's best-dressed monthly political podcast from your friends the Naval Gaze and Corporate Chill Hot Take Factory, the spin-off. My name is Toby Manhai and in the pod today, the dream team of Annabelle Lee and Ben Thomas. Annabelle is, of course, executive producer of the unmissable Sunday morning current affairs triumph, The Hui. And you've been greenlit for another year. Annabelle, is that, is that, is that from public three, knowledge? From three, yes, but we're waiting to hear back from... New Zealand on here. I thought you might intro me as the daughter of Sea Goblin. Oh gosh, <laughs> I wondered whether or not you'd see that. Yes, I saw that. Um, uh, and speaking of your parentage, you were just telling us about the crazy years in Waiheke. Crazy years on Waiheke, such good Sandra times. Sandra and yeah, Mike. Pre-vineyard pre days. You missed a lot, listeners. When it was hippies and like roaming packs of lesbians and sailors. Wow. It was the heady, wonderful days of Waiheke in its prime, I must what say. What age were you during that? Um, we moved over when I was about three, and uh-huh. I was there until I was 16. Wow. Your mm. formative years, very formative much. Formative years, that's right. Wow, really are a child of Waiheke. Mm. Um, ben, meanwhile, you were telling us before we came on about some of your best tweets. Ben Thomas, Ben Thomas NZ. Um, highly, yeah, some highly underrated sexual innuendo pre multi civilization tweets. Oh. Surprisingly narrow audience. Uh, do they do better than your craft beer tweets? That's your um, other. That's the, the, your the, other cra- the craft thing. beer tweets are the only thing keeping me afloat. That's about eighty percent of my income these days. Ben Thomas uh, comes to us uh, direct and live from the public relations megacorp Exceltium who operate in the shadows of New Zealand political life. Are they still located in Gotham City or...? Someone made a joke, I think it was Todd Nile, uh, who's quite a funny man, that now it would be called Gotham City, <laughs> thanks to the election of... That's awesome. I'm so, that was okay. I'm so glad local body elections are over. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Me um, too. We will eventually get to <clears throat> Aaron Smith and uh, Sex in a Disabled Toilet. But first, we are going to deal with uh, the Phil Goff situation. Um, and then we'll make our way through Hobson's Pledge, by-elections, Maravid Davidson on the high seas. Phil Goff, though, Gotham City. Gotham City. Um, I mean, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I was one of the people who said, I think Phil Goff is going to win this election. A, a, a bold call, a young Tyro just mm. appeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. It's really hard to get enthused about these things, this this kind of triennial sort of name recognition contest. 
Um, Phil, Phil Goff should have probably been crowned about a year ago when he first threw his, his well-trod Saves name the into the hat. Yeah. You went out on a limb there, Toby, and I admire your courage. So I also was um, going against the grain saying some time ago that I thought Donald Trump was a bad man. And I feel vindicated as well on that front. Well, I think that's still yet to be proven to be fair, Toby. I think he, there's nothing wrong in, with yeah, Trump. Yeah, in, in, in a way you're just appealing to the cattle. base. <laughs> He's a cat man. Did the mayoral election, the local body election, um, excite you, Annabelle? You had a debate on the hui. We did. We had a good debate on the hui. Um, what I found interesting about it's a hard thing when you're hosting a debate because obviously you know in this case there was 19 candidates and you can't host 19 candidates in half an hour for a mm. debate so we mm. relied on the spin-offs um, oh polling oh and we took the top three candidates but because there's such a low voter turnout and low participation of Māori and local government we thought we would uh get Tyrone Raumati to be mm. um, one of our candidates to appear. And, of course, we're funded by Te Māngai Pāho, so it'd be nice to have a candidate who spoke Māori. And the vitriol um, that came out of that, particularly from Penny Bright and Chloe Shawbrick supporters, really? was just unbelievable. And the great irony of it was in, in their numerous um, tweets and Facebook posts is that um, they support Kaupapa Māori and Chloe's even studied the treaty, <laughs> and yet they resented that a Maori candidate appeared on our program over yeah. them. So yeah. it's quite it's quite an interesting insight into the minds of how these local government people and their supporters work. I mean, look at the, at the end of the day, these at the end local of the day, listeners. You know, you you you, you couldn't fit a paperclip between. What Vic Crone and Phil Goff, um, and and to a lesser extent, you know, Polino was offering. Everyone was saying that they're going to uh, keep rates low. They're not going to borrow any more mm. money, but they're going to vastly increase expenditure, and they're not going to sell assets. Um, it, it, you know, I, th I think the democratic kind of aspect of local body elections is really overstated. Um, you know, you could do just as well to abolish all local government in New Zealand and replace it with the Department of Parks and Sewage. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lynn Brown, as the first mayor of the super city, has actually achieved quite a lot in some regard. I mean, in terms of, I mean, even if you just look at the CRL, the yeah. Central Rail Link, that's quite a impressive achievement, isn't it? Yeah, but if you, if you had a central agency looking at uh, cities' public transport, I don't think you'd lose too much. Um, you know, Auckland Transport is already run uh, as a crown, cr uh, crown uh, sorry, council-controlled organisation. Um, so that's, a, that's already sort of at arm's length um, from the councils. Len Brown, is, he, he doesn't have any way of paying for the CRL yet um, <laughs> because he wants to keep rates down, keep borrowing down um, and increase expenditure. It... it you, you know, I, I think this, this it sort of reminds me a lot of, um, you know, elections in you know, places like North Korea or something, where basically, you're just, you know, everyone knows who the, who they have to vote for. It's, it's Phil Goff, right? It's, you know, it's, you know, when, when you get into, you know, by the time you get through this kind of this booklet that you're given um, to the district health boards where there's sort of 30 candidates, you know, there's, there's no real sort of rational choice happening there in the voting, in the voter's mind. Um those were the views of Ben Thomas of Exceltium and did not represent the views of Annabel Lee, or Toby Manhire, or the spin-off. Um, North Korea, dictatorships, would you do away, Annabel, with local body elections, or do you think they serve a 
No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do away with them. But what I think is interesting, you know, we're going to be talking later about 20 years of MMP, And you look at local government and you think, well, you guys could probably do with a bit of MMP because it's by and large, you know, middle-aged to old white guys, very, you know, little representation for anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Sea goblin. Um, So, uh, yeah, no, I think New Zealand's got a lot of work to do in that department. And, um, you know, Andrew Rudd, we've had all the kerfuffle down there and, of course, no Māori have been elected mm. in Taranaki, New Plymouth. Mm. So I think um, it's still not representative of communities and it's such an important thing, local government for Māori, because that's where the rubber hits a road in terms mm. of resource management, land, all of those sorts yeah. of issues. So, so. so Geoffrey Palmer, um, in his draft constitution for New Zealand, proposes... Big a big fan. <laughs> proposes making local ga- local government, uh, you know, constitutionally enshrined in New Zealand. Right now, it's just a statutory creation. It's about the sa- it's all about the same level as the racing board, really, in terms of um, in terms of constitutional standing. Um, and and I, you know, I can't think of anything more preposterous. You know, basically just enshrining a f- an extra franchise for old white men. Uh, but there is definitely a, that that whole democratic deficit that people talk about is pronounced isn't it in local body elections in a range of ways and you get as far down the form as the district health board Mm. and basically you have no idea who the fuck any of these people are and you're asked to rank them from one to 26 it's the first time you get the opportunity to use single transferable vote in the local body elections in auckland we're talking about at least and i mean please i mean that's a joke it's just a lottery really or how many people how many mates you can round up single transferable vote is the preferred electoral system of teenage war game nerds and people with PhDs in political science. It's for people who really enjoy the act of voting and for whom it's a sort of triennial well, highlight. Well, I think it's well, not a bad thing if you know who you're voting for to be able to... Yeah. I think that's part of the problem with MMP is that people almost over-strategize and they spend a lot of time thinking about voting against who they don't want rather than voting for who they do actually want. And I think you see that a lot in the Māori electorates. They vote to keep people out rather than voting for who they want to put in. A lot of it is sort of fear-based voting almost, whereas I think with single transferable vote, although it's a bit ridiculous when you've never heard of any of the humans on the ballot sheet, if you do know who they are, I think it can be actually quite a good thing. I agree. I think in, in, in the mayoralty vote, it should be there. As it turns out, everyone knew that Phil Goff was going to win, so people felt free to vote for your Chloe Swarbrick or whomever anyway without feeling as though they were going to influence the outcome. But if you'd had, <clears throat> excuse me, if you'd had Polino, Mark Thomas, and Vic Crone together uh, achieving, say, fifty percent more of the vote than Phil Goff, that would seem to me uh, they'd be a bit hard done by, wouldn't they? And 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 because it's just first past the post in Auckland, unlike say Wellington, um, you don't have the opportunity to rank them. Yeah, look, I, I just can't see the appeal of it. You know, you, you, you get one vote uh, in general. <laughs> you, you know, you, you vote for the party that you want most um, and, and there's no take back. So I don't think there's any huge philosophical problem with that. Never fear, we are going to come back to electoral systems for those of you who are enjoying this electoral system chat. So many of them listening, <coughs> But does it. anyone else, speaking of places other than Auckland, does anyone else have any thoughts, even one, even one thought 
about a local body election that happened outside Auckland? Yes, I do. Go. The Māori guy from Porirua threw his hat in the ring at the last minute. Tana, don't know his first name. So I'm assuming he's from Ngāti Hine or something, and he won. So that's cool. So he took it from Nick Leggett, so, who, who, who went from Porirua to go for the Wellington big chair. You know far more than I. All I know is that some Maori dude won Porirua, and Maori I'm very, very happy about it. <laughs> and his last name's Tana. And the other thing is Wairua has voted to have Maori wards, a Maori ward, which I uh. think is a progressive and good thing, and so they should. A lot of Maori in that community. So, so wait, they had a, like a referendum bit, or they I voted on council? So, yeah. Oh, interesting. These are very interesting things that we only know a very little bit about. So we'll stop there and move on and talk about turnout briefly, um, which might again um, uh, excite a few of you voting system fetishists. Uh, ben, some people in the wake of the turnout across the country, I think it was forty percent, maybe thirty-six mm. point something or other in Auckland. There's been a bit of a campaign launched by people saying it's time for online voting. Um, that's how we engage the kids. What's your hot take on that? Look, in in the absence of the sensible alternative of the minister responsible appointing the board of the Department of Sewage and Parks, <laughs> this, this is a the, very the, North the, Korean. The, nice. the, 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 alter, you, is, the alternative, the alternative would be Kim Jong Un, an Excelium <laughs> client. Can you, you would. <laughs> I, th- I think I think that you would absolutely t- go to online voting. There's, you know, for some for someone like me, um, you know, going to a post box and putting an envelope in is every bit as arduous and testing as actually going <laughs> to a polling station. Um, it doesn't it doesn't really cut down on the effort at all. Um, whereas online voting, I could do from my desk, you know, and I I, th- I think that um, this idea that it's somehow less secure. Than uh, than a postal ballot, um, re- re- it seems to be belied by the the way that I I got at least sort of six ballots in my mailbox, you know, for f- former residents of the house. Except and- that I suppose the potential for um, excuse me, I'm, I'm eating some fudge. <laughs> um, help me here, Annabelle. The the risk of um, fraud on a digital scale is much larger than the risk of gaming a you know a couple of your cousins. Voting paper. I, I mean, it, it could be that the safeguard against that is that the only people who are involved in local politics are over the age of about 55, and so the potential for hacking is vastly reduced. I wouldn't have thought so, Toby, to be fair. Is there going to be huge voting cybercrime? Like, where every day trillions of dollars are transferred all around the world using the internet, I think voting and yeah, local body well, elections, we're not going to have the Russians cracking us, are There's we? a very good piece on the um, uh, website startup, the spin-off by Nigel McNee, um, which um, explores some of the risks. He's a very smart um, web developer dude, programmer, and, and there are some serious risks. And one of the arguments that's made is why, why should we risk it here? You know, I mean, where are, the, where are the good examples that we can point to of it working? Um, and uh, I'm not sure there's actually any evidence, although we sort of assume it to be true, that young people are more likely to vote in an online uh, format. I don't know if that's I true. definitely don't think we're going to have less young people voting if it's online. And in terms of Māori, given that there's, there's been some really interesting studies done about why Māori don't vote, and a part of it in terms of general elections is just feeling intimidated about walking into a polling booth and not really knowing 
how it works and what the tikanga yeah. of it is. It's yeah. not necessarily that they feel completely um, disengaged from politics. It's more that, that they haven't been taught, yeah. they haven't had whānau, they haven't had parents that go out and vote, and so they don't as well. And because we don't have Māori, young Māori don't have security of housing, you know, sending out voting papers is often a bit of a hit and miss exercise yeah, as well, yeah. whereas they are very active online. They're huge on social media and all of those sorts of platforms. So I think you're more likely to get young Māori voting and engaging in the process if it was available online, but I don't know if that suits, um, you know, people who currently occupy all of those positions in local government at the moment. Uh, one of the results of uh, Phil Goff winning in Auckland is that it creates a by-election, which means that we get two Christmases in December, one on the 25th and one on the 3rd, I think, is the likely date. Is that right? Um, for the, the, for the, for the, the, the Mount Roskill by-election. Michael Wood, or is it Woods? Michael Wood. Wood. Michael, Michael Wood. Wood. Michael Wood. A, a university colleague of mine. Is he? Yeah, no, I, um, I, I actually think he's a, a fantastic candidate for them to pick. Um, I think I must know, have known him for about 17 years now, yeah. and he has not once deviated from Labour Party talking points. Um, I th he's got exactly the sort of level of kind of discipline and message control that they need. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, when, <laughs> when you, uh, you know, but because, think, you know, when you think about it, by-elections are an extraordinary sort of spectacle. You know, the entire press gallery will fly up from Wellington to follow around you know, people who in the normal course of events mm. would, you know, I think currently he's a local board member or mm. something, mm. you know, would normally talk to sort of, you know, the junior reporter at their local rag or something. And there's a, there's a lot Western of pressure. Leader. Um, you know, I think the Mount Albert by-election really kind of imploded Melissa Lee's um, promising uh, career back, mm. way back in 2009. Um, and and so I, th I think it's, it's, a, it's actually a very prudent choice. Um, and it's. Um, I like what Morgan. Did you read Morgan Godfrey's tweet about the Mount Roskill by election? He said, you know. Tell us about oh, Morgan well, Godfrey's Because tweet. obviously the demographics there are really, you know, diverse, lots of immigrants, Pacifica, mm -hmm. all the rest of it. He said that about Michael Wood, I think it was, that if a Pākehā male New Zealander loses Mount Roskill because of his um, ethnicity, mm. Morgan will eat the Treaty of Waitangi. <laughs> retweet well, it, people. Look for it. Retweet it. That like sounds it. good. I'm gonna, <clears> I'm gonna verbally retweet that right now. I'm just gonna, which means I'm just gonna read it out again. <laughs> well, the the national candidate is likely to be Palmjeet Palmer, who is a list MP currently um, uh, for national. Yeah, that's right. And she's been earmarked by a few people as you know having a pretty promising future. Um, and a lot of that is going to hinge on her performance over the next um, two months. Um, Didn't she have some sort of shady scandal? There like was some. There was some ben, accusations you know. around using um, a housing roadshow or something. Something like that for, yeah. for, for housing officials. I don't know if anything is proven. Lawyers. Um, the there's also this People's Party thing that sprung up a while ago. Remember that, uh, which made Winston very cross. Oh, what um, that which one? is a, a group of I think mostly. Um, Indian New Zealanders, so it seemed, yeah, um, South Asian anyway, <clears throat> and they're, they're 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 talking about targeting the Mount Roskill seat, and that could play a part, maybe. 
possibly. No, I think the, the, these sorts of parties pop up every kind of three or four years. We've we've had a Pan Pacific party. Um, I, I think there was another one called the New Zealand party at some point. And um, Ben is going to be launching the Kim Jong Un party. And, uh, yeah, they they, they all t- they all tend to just sort of disappear or become merged into United Future whenever Peter Dunn needs five hundred members to register. You made to Peter Dunn. The um, do they have a chance? Do National have a shot? I, I mean, it's. I, 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 I think. Fine. I think it's true that a that a that a sitting government has never taken a seat mm. away from an opposition party in a by election, um, but the National won on the list, won in the party vote in Mount Roskill in two thousand and fourteen. So, mm. yeah, like a, like I said, long shot. Ah, uh, nil shot. I'd nil say. shot. Um, Michael uh, Woods very well known. You know, Michael's very well known in the electorate. You know, he's involved in local government there, which is that name recognition thing we were talking about. Um, he's, you know, Labour will devote huge, huge, huge amounts of its limited resources towards this campaign. <laughs> and I uh, suppose they don't, I suppose there's no kind of, um, how can I put it, controversy hanging around the departing candidate as there has been in by-elections in <laughs> that's, that's right. the yeah. recent past. That's right. We, um, so, <laughs> so, so Phil Goff is sort of, you know, uh, is going to be lauded as moving on to a bigger, better role in a way, so he that's doesn't right. leave any Dirty laundry, skid marks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, skid marks, nice. Uh, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, I, I think, though, if, if some... By chance, somehow Labor does lose, and Andrew Little should just be quit. Finished, they? They'd just have it to would quit. be, it would be, Wouldn't it would think? be incredible. Would be, they'd just shut down the party. They just, yeah. they just, they just light a match and say, "Let's just watch it burn." <laughs> it's it's Guy Fawkes anyway. <laughs> Let's just finish it. You know. Yeah. The, I mean, the other thing is it's going to be a straight runoff between National and Labour. Um, Active sort of cleared themselves from the field. The the Greens, the Greens have removed have, themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think there'll be too much of a problem. And we've got the Greens on that front, and this takes us through to the birthday of MMP in a way, which has turned 20, mm. which means it can now legally bet in a casino, I oh, think. Oh, good, yeah. Um, Greens have, have been saying, have been have been accused of hypocrisy because they attack Epsom, and now they're standing aside in Mount Roskill to give Labour, blah, blah, blah. It's all this dirty boroughs stuff. Do you... Part of me, tell me if I'm wrong, feels like we should just say, stop it with all this, you know, dirty boroughs, rotted seats. It's the system. Do whatever you like. Voters are grown-ups, and if they want to punish you for what they think is a dirty act, then they'll punish But But, but it's, I just sort of, I get a bit tired of the, it's just as much as I get tired of listening to Winston Peters bat away another question about what his bottom lines are and get tired of, arguments about whether or not a party standing in a seat or standing aside is somehow, uh, you know, contemptible. Am I right? I, I think you're right. Yeah, yes. I yeah. Um, I, I, you know, be, because the thing to remember is that none of, the, none of the political parties themselves actually believe this when they say it, when they talk about rotten burrows or dirty deals. Mm. They, 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 they don't think that at all. Right, but they they know that they they know that Paddy Gower in particular and uh, and other journalists will will take the bait and will try and you know run it as a scandal. Um, the, the sorry, I've completely. I think that was it. I think that was all I had to say. You were agreeing with me, really. That yeah, was I, th- I, th- I, I think, think I think the... just to, to just to loop around, one hundred percent correct. The only <laughs> the only thing I don't like it's not dirty boroughs, but it's more when. Uh, 
hasn't happened for a long time, but when you have people elected for a certain party on the list who then quit and join another party. We've had I, that I, for a while, not haven't for we? A lot. I think Alamein Corpu might have been yeah. the last person uh, to do that. Well, Brendan Horan, Brendan Horan left Went to and, and, and that started his own. Yeah, month. actually, that's another was one. The Brendan Horan, was it the Brendan Horan party? Uh, the, it was the, the Independent the, Party. No, 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 it was the Brendan Horan party. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. Um, the MMP more generally, though, Annabelle, 20 years. 20 years. To think. Yeah. Um, uh, success. I mean, it hasn't been this that we were warned of a kind of 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 these torched landscapes of unstable, unstable government. And it hasn't really worked out that way. It's been pretty stable, isn't it? It's been pretty stable. Yeah, I think you know Winston Peters and the first um, MMP election didn't get off to a good start, did it? I don't think that's how people envisaged. It was sort of like the worst worst case scenario for how MMP um, might play out. But I think since then it's been by and large pretty good. And, you know, at the time Māori um, advocates were saying, you know, MMP stood for more Māori in Parliament and that's mm. what we've seen and mm. I think that's been mm. um, a good thing. And as I said before, by comparison to the level of representation, you know, diversity of representation that you see in local government, MMP's worked well. And the Māori Party is a very good example of Arguably, MMP working insofar as that there was a splinter away, mm. but still able to get a foothold in Parliament. Mm. And then, but you know, they get criticised a lot for, you know, um, coming up to government, but they have achieved things, right? They have. I think the Greens is probably an even better example because they have been able to maintain their identity as a party, but still get some important runs on the board, you know, um, insulation, all those sorts of different kaupapa that they've been quite passionate about. They have been able to achieve things outside of government, so... Not for a bit, not for a bit. There's nothing in the... I mean, you're right, but 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 not, not lately, have they? They've gone full oppositional now. Yeah, that's right, and that might be connected with their memorandum of understanding with Labour, uh, much closer cooperation. Mm. What I, uh, I think if you look back... Um, the first two MMP governments we had actually um, collapsed, which was the coalition between um, New Zealand First and National mm. and then uh, Labour and the Alliance. Both mm. of those sort of ended in quite sort of spectacular Tears. fashion. Tears. Um, and, and, Tears and so Helen Tears Clark's <laughs> Helen Clark's innovation in two thousand and two, which was seen as um, which was seen as you know, some political scientists had a bit of a worry with it at the time, which was ministers who were you know, ministers who were not part of the government. So yeah. the, this idea of support parties rather than coalition partners mm. um, propping up governments. And that's actually worked much, much better, I think, um, both for the government and for their support parties um, and probably for good government. It's true, isn't it? I mean, we get, we get kind of, we use the word coalition quite loosely, but, I mean, there is no coalition. Is there? It's a minority government. That's right. The, 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 the John Key governments always with been with, with these agreements where they you know stipulate which 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 uh, legislative change they'll take. Yeah. You know, to come, select come committee, to which they'll support come to all the way. Every six weeks, yeah. Um, well, that's enough about MMP. Let's talk about the about Hobson's pledge and Don Brash. Um, I was your your um, colleague Matthew Hooten chided me. For talking about Hobson's pledge, he said I wasn't allowed to because it was exactly what they 
wanted that this you know mm. like you know that's a thing that's so like me, yeah just give provide oxygen that's an interesting thing it's what do you so reckon hard. I, I really grapple with that one in mm. terms of our mahi because on, on one hand we'd love to have them on and throw them in the studio with mahi and watch her dissect them but mm. then at the same time it's sort of giving oxygen so it's mm. a it, it's a hard one that one I, I understand where Matthew's coming from but then at the same time you know it it can be fun to dissect these people and see and test their arguments and ultimately how weak their arguments are. It's a funny I, I, one. I, I, I don't know. I, no, I, I think he's got a point because 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 yeah. there is that kind of you smarmy people who like me who lampoon them and stuff, and then it's kind of I'll look at you know, and, blah, 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 and the blah. thing is lampooning them often um, you know sort of assumes a level of knowledge about the issue that. Lots of members of the public don't have. So, so speaking of assuming, assuming a level of knowledge, um, can you remind us just what it was, um, Ben, for people who may not have what, what Hobson's oh, pledge Hobson, was? So Ho- Ho- Hobson's pledge is the, the the latest sort of lurching from the grave of former National Party who former ACT leader. I forgot to nail the the, the, the <laughs> lid closed on him. By Don, the way, Don Brash, um, with with a kind of an all star cast of some of New Zealand's most um, most uh, energetic anti-Māori activists drawing together sort of people from across that kind of limited quasi-racist spectrum, um, you know, people who oppose uh, Māori seats in local government, um, treaty deniers, which is, is a field not a lot of people know about. Tell us about that. Well, see, this is an interesting thing. I mean, Dombrash and the Hobson's Pledge people get a lot of criticism for being racist and irrelevant, but they don't get nearly enough credit for their willingness to front up in incredible conspiracy theories yeah. in public. Just that, that that would make most people sort of, you know, that you would normally associate with sort of homeless people handing out, you know, on the side of a road rather than um, a former governor of the Reserve Bank. So. Um, two of two of the central conspiracies to this Hobson's pledge idea. Um, one of them is the long hidden lost treaty, the Littlewood Treaty. So yeah, the 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 you may think that the real Treaty of Waitangi was the one that everyone signed that was at the Waitangi Treaty grounds, but you would be wrong. The real treaty was discovered in 1988 in the drawer of a desk in South Auckland. Isn't that Margaret Mahi book <laughs> down the back of the chair, wasn't it? Between <laughs> the pins and the twins. And um and 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 so the the the, the real treaty um stipulates that we should all be one nation and there should be no. I think it specifically says there should be no mouldy seats on local councils. Um, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was something Busby was pretty hot on. Um, it inclu- includes a link to the website that explains more. Yeah, and, 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 and from that, this is the basis for most of their beliefs. And, and from there you spin out into wilder territory like the pre maori civilizations in mm. New Zealand where they all believe that there's a, an ancient race of Celtic people buried in forests up north and that they lived in a, in a peaceable and highly technologically advanced society before Māori settlement uh, whereupon they were killed by the savages. Mm. I mean, this is actually lunatic stuff. Um, and I think if, if, if that sort of thing was foregrounded... Yeah, ironically though, you know... Um, ironic is probably not the right word but this stuff sort of makes its way through New Zealand culture a lot of this stuff is printed in the Franklin E Local which Mm. has a readership of 60,000 people Mm. these guys publish books Martin Dutre you know that you can find in a lot of public libraries all around New Zealand Martin Dutre is um, 
a guy who paces out steps on the top of Mount Eden between rocks and concludes that it's actually an ancient astronomical observatory uh, from the pre-Maldi civilization that lived in New Zealand. Cool. Um, the and they have some quite... Um, I read about that in Morris G. We've got Margaret mm, Ray mm. Morris G. It's, it's all historical texts. Yeah, and they're sort of bankrolled by the likes of, you know, Lewis Crimp and those ones. But, uh, I mean, it's funny, but these guys were, you know, not necessarily the ones in Hobson's Pledge, but basically that network were very involved in the Alan Tipford saga that saw, you know, the law change so that private land could no longer be claimed as part of a treaty settlement. And, you know, as it turned out, were completely vilified, you know, abused, accused of being arsonists and all the rest of it. And as it turned out, um, Tipford had um, burnt down his own house. But people like uh, John Ansell were still very staunch supporters of him and, you know, obviously anti-treaty and all of that stuff. So on one hand, it's funny, and on the other hand, it's actually quite serious. So pause for seriousness there. Thank you. Just, just a minute. A, m- a moment to remember the pre-Maldi people. Yes. yes. <laughs> We're all going to perform in their, Celtic, in their a secret Celtic graves. <laughs> a Celtic karakia. Yeah. Um, um, Madame Davidson mm. uh, has recently returned from... Her Mediterranean cruise. Her Mediterranean cruise, that's mm-hmm. right. Um, also known as the Free Gaza Flotilla or anti, yes. anti against the blockade... On Gaza, it's been imposed by the Israelis. The boat was intercepted. They were taken to Tel Aviv, I think, and then she was deported. Mm. uh, David Rankin, Annabelle, says she was an embarrassment to Māori. Yeah, I I think you'd find that most Māori wouldn't agree with um, what David Rankin says. David Rankin sadly failed. And David Rankin does not speak on behalf of all Māori, despite what the Herald and TVNZ may think. But um, we actually sent our journalist, um, Ruani Pereira, on that Mediterranean cruise um, last year. And it's actually about raising awareness of the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, which um, I think is a pretty uh, good cause, an interesting one, certainly from an Indigenous perspective. And I thought um, Key's comments off the back were a bit on the nose. Key's comments, which was a kind of a classic of the the form, was... It's less than a perfect look. <laughs> it's kind of, you can imagine the kind of scale of looks. Good look, bad Was well, he talking about the humanitarian perfect, crisis? Or? The kind of political calculus and the needle on the level of look. Well, I, I, look, I can understand his frustration with this. I mean, fresh back from the UN, he and McCulley are basically on the, on the brink of solving this whole Middle Eastern <laughs> thing. And then Marama Davidson blunders in. That's true. The Maramas have got a lot to ask for. Marama Fox single-handedly destroyed Helen Clark's attempt of becoming the UN Secretary General. Now Marama Davidson has single-handedly destroyed hopes of peace in the Middle East. Uh, it's it's just unbelievable, right? After, after Key's speech and everything. Um, yeah, I, I look, I agree with the Prime Minister. Can I say, you know, the irony about that is that West Papua, this is something that's happening on our back doorstep where we actually do have a little bit of leverage mm. and the government just is in absolute denial that there's any sort of issue there and refuses to do anything about it, but they go waltzing off to the UN to, to solve, you know, the little run in, in the Middle East. It's bizarre. Well, why not? Why not address issues in our own region before taking on... 
the Middle East. Well, it's, it's look, it's easy to be cynical, but, you, you know, I mean, we, we might want to take a moment now to just quietly reflect on how much progress has been made in Syria since the Security Council meeting. Um, I th- well, look, look, let's let's move on again to the big issue. Again, John Key gave it some quite extended analysis. Do you think he was right, Annabelle, in his remarks about Aaron Smith and the sex in the toilet? I wa- who asked him? I don't know who, who asked him. was the reporter I'm, I'm, that I'm asked him. I'm guessing everyone. Honestly, <laughs> I've only been able to get one national minister to front up on our program this year. That was Hekia Parata. Good on her for doing it. And journalists are asking him about Aaron Smith. I have to say, as a journo, it really irritates me that of all the issues you could ask about, you're asking about Aaron Smith. That's yeah. Thank you, guys. Awesome. But equally, you could say he could say. Oh, I'm not answering that. Ask exactly, me a exactly. I and I totally so, agree with that as well. What do you reckon, Ben? You think it's important, don't you? I, I think there's a lot of big, the government's really heavily invested in Christchurch um, and the rebuild, and now it's turning into some kind of <laughs> Gomorrah. Let's <laughs> um, just you know let, leave some sex for the rest of the country, Christchurch. There was a sex romp last year. <laughs> people fucking in a toilet this year. It's I mean. Well, I mean, that's true as well. Jockey doesn't just have responsibilities for the rebuild of Christchurch, he also has responsibilities as captain of the All Blacks. That's true. That's true. So let's not forget that. Uh, let's not yeah. forget either that if you want to listen to more Phil Goff-related material, um, you should uh, check out Warcast, the War for Auckland podcast, number nine of which uh, is somewhere floating around on the spin-off website. But it's got Phil Goff on it and Aiden and Simon Wilson. And I think we're done. Um, thanks very much, Annabelle Lee. Thanks very much, Ben Thomas. Thanks, Madeline Chapman on the controls, looking sort of, sort of almost about she's fallen to a deep sleep. Mm. <laughs> For a minute there, she says. Thanks very much. We'll see you next month. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.